I'm going to read from John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 15. Jesus speaking to his disciples, saying, If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you, and before long the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own, they belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Lord, we pray that you will grace us with your presence that what you're saying to us, we will have ears to hear and hearts to receive. That these words that Jesus spoke will become truth in our lives and in this place. And we will see evidence of that truth. Because you live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Those are amazing words I've just read. Amazing words. They have absolutely nothing to do with going to church. They have absolutely nothing to do with religion. They have everything to do with relationship. Do you know why we love religion secretly? Because religion gives us a sense of spiritual well-being in some way but it still gives us absolute control of our lives and the processes of our lives. Religion enables us to go to church or go to this or do that or do the other thing. And we say, well, they were an esteemed member of the church or whatever, but it doesn't touch lives and hearts. Religion is about what I do to please a God that I think exists. And the God that Jesus revealed, I'm actually said, I hate that. And he said it in other words, he said, I hate your sacrifices. He said, I hate what you do for me. I hate the way that you uh, are so spiritual. I'm not getting at anybody here. I'm only just talking around this topic of religion and relationship. Because the Pharisee, those who were the religious people of Jesus' day really, really struggled with Jesus. 
because he broke through all their paradigms. You remember when he read out of Isaiah and said, Today this word is fulfilled. The lame will walk. I, I am he. And they couldn't handle it. And we might say, well, if I was there, I would have said, yeah, I'm there. We probably wouldn't have. We probably would have said no. Because I was expecting this and this is what he did. And it's always the way God works. So Jesus said, when I die, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, to lead you into all truth. And my Father, if you love me, you will keep my commands. That's been distorted in our teaching so that we say, keep his commands if you love him. Jesus didn't say that. He really said, if you are in a love relationship with me, my commands will be kept because of the love, not because of the rule keeping. Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God's presence is totally about having a love relationship with you. And leading you into that. Because he's not looking to you for the lead. We're all damaged. We, don't have, we have very, very uh, distorted views of love. We're very insecure. We don't know what to do. We get shy. We get embarrassed. We only go so far. I mean, we're all screwed up, aren't we? And that's okay. Jesus just says, I see you. That's why I've come. That's why I want to be your friend. Because I can lead you into something that's a lot richer than that. And that's why he said to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will come, the counselor. I will send him in my name to teach you all things and remind you of things and lead you and empower you into all things. It's all about relationship. It's all about love. I want to think this morning about how do we uh, welcome, how do we make the Holy Spirit feel at home among us? There are places, many places, where you can go and say, we read God's word, we study God's word, and the Holy Spirit speaks through God's word, and that's how we experience God. Only problem again is that God's word doesn't say that. God's word describes relationships with Jesus, with, with God, that are full of emotion, and full of passion, and full of uh, all kinds of uh, responses and failures and forgivenesses and all the rest of it. The whole of God's word is a, is a description from Genesis where God created everything to Revelation where God becomes the bridegroom and the bride are united, which is his creation. The whole Bible is about a God who created everything and desires a relationship with all that he created that is, is fun and full. I mean, what happens, imagine, if God is nicer than you think he is. I mean, God said, you know, he says, you, you, you are evil now to give good gifts to your kids. So how come you've got this issue with me? If I was what you think I am, I'd probably have killed you by now. But I'm much nicer than that. If, well, I'll get ahead of myself, yeah. What's the best place... Um, Think about this. What's the best place you've ever been a guest in your life so far? Can you, can you think of a place, a time, a peop, a, a, maybe it's a family, maybe it's a place you visited where you were a guest and you, you said, man, I'd love to stay here forever. Nineteen eighty, for Christmas, I stayed with a family in Wiltshire in England. I was studying over there and I uh, was there 
for Christmas and I went to this family. They had a big horse farm in Wiltshire. It's very green, it's beautiful. And I walked into that home and the woman who was the mother of a guy who I was at university with um, was incredibly kind and just the whole family, it was one of... I mean, this is England, and it's, it's, you know, England where people have money, they don't have to flaunt it, it's right, like really, it's there, but it's not shown. It's that kind of family, very cool, old place, and beautiful. But I think of that place, and I think of, I could have stayed there forever. The family was welcoming, the place was warm, the whole way of being a guest was you're just part of the family. And it stuck with me my whole life, that was 25 years ago. The best place I've ever stayed. What am I talking about this morning? I'm not. I'm talking about that. I'm talking about um, verse John 14, verse 23. If anyone loves me, I will obey. He will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him or her and make our home with him or her and the question I'm wondering and you might wonder is um, if God the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit were standing here right now which they are actually and we said what's it like living in Cheryl what's it like living in Bill What's it like? And name every single one of you. What's it like? Some they might say, well, we're not inside, actually. <laughs> we're sitting outside waiting. We're still knocking. We've been knocking for 30 years or 40 years, and they still say, well, God doesn't exist, or no, God, I'm not letting him in here. I'd rather drink my problems away. Who needs God? Some might have God present. Nancy, you're not allowed out of there. Okay, that's right. Um, there's a, there's a, a sense of how, how at home in you do you think God feels today? This is not an accusing word, by the way. It's just a real word. Because he said, I'm going to come and make my home with you. So what do you think it's like for him? What's he finding That's almost all I want to say today. I mean, I've got another two pages, but I'm not sure that's necessary. What God's saying to us as individuals and as a church is, how welcome am I in your life? Um, I love you. I mean, the Father says, I have loved you from the beginning. I created you. If you take anything that you have ever made, I want you to understand that I made you more intricately than anything you have ever made with your hands. I absolutely adore you. I know everything about you. 
Now, when you come to me, it's a bit like finding something that's got buried and it's, it's got rather tarnished and destroyed, so we have to restore you. But the you that I made and that I love is one that you still haven't come, come in touch with yet. Enough. But I, the Father, love you. And Jesus says, as far as I'm concerned, he looks at you and he says, as far as I'm concerned, I've already laid down my life for you. So every reason that you give me for not being worthy, I've already taken on the cross. So there's nothing that you're going to present to me that I go, oh, that's a surprise. Didn't realize it was that bad. He's saying, I've already dealt with that. It's too bad in my heart that you're still dealing with it because I've dealt with it for you. You're beating yourself up over things or disqualifying yourself because you think that I can't deal with it and I've dealt with it. It's not an issue for me. So the Father and Jesus are either outside your life or inside your life saying, we don't have a problem with you. And the Holy Spirit is saying, I've come to help you be what you can't be. Because I didn't ask you to change your life so that you could become acceptable to me. I didn't even ask you really to love me. All I asked you to do was open the door of your heart to welcome me in and I'll give you the love that you don't have. What's God like? He's like a parent who gives the child money to buy them a present. You've done that with your kids, right? Here you are, here's 20 bucks, go and buy some gifts for mum and dad and everybody else, right? Well, that's what God the Father does with you and me. He says, I'm not asking you to love me. You don't know how to, but here's some love now. Try it. That's what it's like. And God's Spirit is what, is, what takes the theory or the promise in his word and starts making it real in our hearts. And that's why we need one another to learn how to know and experience that reality. And some people go, oh, we don't like experiences. Well, I don't have a polite retort to you. Because we all have experiences and we all have responses. And the more numbed out we are and the more screwed up we are, the less released we are to respond in a way that's freeing. which is grieving. Do you remember Nicodemus? Nicodemus was an intellectual. He was, a, he was a, a wise man who came to Jesus in the dark and said, Jesus, what? You, you're doing these miracles and I just can't figure you out. And Jesus said, well, you have to be born again. And he says, what do you mean? I can't be born again. And he says, well, Nicodemus, Nick, 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 Nick. Get out of your head. I've been in your office and you've got all these plaques and you're very intelligent and I thank you so much. You've done a great job. But really, you've missed it. And Nick says, why? He says, well, you know, you wouldn't be here if you hadn't missed it, would you, Nick? You wouldn't be seeking me out in the dark if, if your intellect could get you there because you're sitting here going, something's missing. And he goes... Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. And, what, and he says, what does that mean? He says, well, 
you can't get to God through the physical. You can't get to God through your study of the natural world and then work it out and get to Him. Because He's too smart for you. It's like expecting any of us to be able to uh, explain all kinds of things. So he says you have to be born again. And what does that mean? He says you have to be born of the Spirit. He says, what does that mean? He says, well, the Spirit is where God lives. The Spirit is that life inside you that makes you different from animals. It gives you a conscience. You all know the Spirit because you have a conscience. You all know a Spirit because you want meaning and purpose in your life. That's God's Spirit. You can shut it down. You can pretend everything else. But it's God's Spirit. The part in you that says, I crave love, and if I can't get it, I'll find it in other ways. I will find it. Or I'll find a plastic image. So you go into all the addictions. Because you will find something or you will shut it down. That is God's spirit in you, which is either going to be met by God, or it's going to be met by other things. It's not something you can negotiate. It's a reality. This is like you say, I don't like the fact I've got blood in me. Well, tough. Empty yourself of blood and you're dead. Empty yourself of what the Spirit is doing in you, you're dead. There's some things we are subject to because we are created beings. So we are all emotional. We all desire love. We all desire purpose, meaning, significance. We all desire forgiveness. Forgiveness. And Jesus said, I know that, and I've come into a world that is very damaged, where people have got very broken, and have got very distorted emotions. And I've come to say, let me take you into a place of greater freedom. And what's happened in churches, and what's happened so much in our culture, is that we've dumbed down our emotions. So now we have a theology that God just helps us to make it through life. We bear our cross, and it's one miserable existence. And so when we sing songs of joy, we don't sing. We don't sing. And God the Father and Jesus inside say, Oh, my child, you are so numb. I died and rose for you to have joy. doesn't beat you up. He just says, I've come that you would have life. And you just make excuses and you hide. And you don't have life. And then you get angry with everyone around you and you blame them for it. You don't like the style of the music. And you don't like this, you don't like that. It's all one big masquerade of dishonesty that goes, I'm scared. And Jesus says to you this morning, I see all of that, I hear all of that, I'm not buying it, I still love you, and I'm still inviting you to come into something better. And all of us, every single one of us, is on a journey into that. None of us have arrived. But that's what the Holy Spirit loves to do, is to melt and to remake and to remold us into what he calls us to be. So imagine, you're sitting down and we say, okay, God's in me and I'm sitting down talking to the Holy Spirit. 
So who do you think you're going to talk to? What do you think that's going to be like? Imagine if we just pulled a switch right now and said, okay, we've all got 15 minutes for an appointment. Holy Spirit, they're over there. And you can't get out of the building, you can't run away, you're going to meet the Holy Spirit now. And you go, oh shoot. So, what do you think would happen? What, goes, what rises up in you? Happy. There you go. Yeah. Other responses? A little nervous perhaps? Excited? Fear? What am I going to talk about? Well, the Holy Spirit is here and you are in front of Him, so suck it up, you've got to deal with it. Let's just take one step back. Let's take one step back and um, think of the person in whose company you have felt the greatest sense of being alive in your life. The greatest sense of safety or freedom or joy. That might be as a child with a parent, it might be anything. I'm not going to ask you that. I'm merely asking you to, to, to think of that. Think of the person in whose presence you laughed the most. You felt the greatest sense of joy. Think of a person in whose presence you felt most loved in your life, ever. And if you can't do this with me now, then ask God to bring deep healing into you. I'm not accusing, I'm inviting you, because it's numbness that God wants to heal. Some of you will be having the battle that Karen did, which is you're getting a headache or whatever, and you're finding it hard to stay with me because it's going to be painful. That pain of feeling is part of healing. Think of a person. You can, you can go through a, a, a place where or a person in whose presence you felt safe and, and, and peaceful. Now all of these emotions, all of these places, where we are able to identify them, are places where the Holy Spirit says, if you think that was joy, if you think that was peace, if you think that was love, you're right, it was, but it was only a small part. So you knock on the door and you come inside and the Holy Spirit and the Father are there. And before you can even say anything, you're just in tears. Because all you experience is love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness. It just, just envelops you. And all the fear of judgment, and the fear of not being good enough, and the fear of being rebuked, melts. And you're embraced by the Father, who says, how lovely to see you. I've been longing 
for this or your life. Do not be afraid. Can God break through that barrier for us today? It'll change our lives. Because we've all got war stories, we've all got issues, we've all got things that cause us to blame or accuse or hide behind. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit merely says, I have come to make my home in you. And I'm either standing out. I locked him in the basement for six, seven years. I locked God in the basement. I didn't deny him. And I knew if we had this kind of conversation I'm talking about, I'd probably cry. But I was absolutely bloody raving mad. And I said, I've trusted you before, I'm not trusting you again. And I locked them in the basement. I'm not proud of it, I'm just confessing to it. I'm not a romantic. I'm not sitting here speaking romance. I'm not speaking idealism, I'm not speaking spiritual fantasy. If you want to hear God's voice speaking to you today, listen to what's going on in your heart right now. The lover of the universe is wooing you and calling you to himself in a different way, in a new way, or a deeper way. It's not the first time. So there came a point where I had to go, you know, this life is, as your kids would say, sucks. Um, And I don't think it's God. And you know what the most moving thing was? You open the basement door and they're still there and you feel the same thing, overwhelming love, acceptance. And I go, after what I've done, after how I've treated you? And they go, well, we've kind of been there before. We live in a lot of basements. We walk along around a lot of homes. We know what it's like to be rejected. We know what it's like to be misunderstood and blamed. We know what it's like to be passed by. We know what it's like to give everything we have to somebody and they treat it as if it's their own and they behave as if they've owned everything and then they have the audacity to come to us and blame us for their issues. We know what it's like. We know what it's like for people to want us when they need us and to ignore us when everything goes well. If you think a prostitute has it bad, has it bad try to be God. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. See, when we've touched that depth of God's love for us, we will sing and dance with joy. We will sing and dance with joy. We have to. And that's why the disciples, when they prayed in Acts 4, and they said, you are the God who has done all this and you have done all that and now we, 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 we want you to come in power and the Spirit came in power and the place shook and they spoke with boldness. That's why, because their lives had been grafted to Jesus and they had dealt and wrestled with this stuff for three years with God made man. And they'd come to the end of themselves at the cross and in the resurrection they saw a hope they'd never understood. So I'm not giving you a whole lot of how to make room for God in your heart. It's a love relationship and it's the living God saying, here I am, 
finally, what do you think you'll chat about with God, the Holy Spirit, and the Father? What do you think you'll talk about? Well, you know what the Father is like. You know what the Holy Spirit is like. He loves his church. He loves community. He loves forgiveness. He loves gentleness and love and patience and kindness. And he'll just start saying, how's it going? You see, the other aspect, when you're in the presence of God, the Father and, and the Son, and in the presence of light, it reveals stuff that isn't there. And that's why God's love will draw us to repentance. When you're in the presence Not put out that easily. When you're in the presence of God, what is not of Him will be revealed, but it'll come out of a place of love. Don't worry about it, David. It'll come out of a place of love. And so, what God brings up in us is two things. The one is, his extraordinary love and acceptance of us, and the other is the next thing he wants to work on in our lives. So whatever comes up in us right now, for instance, that's either irritation or fear or anxiety or I don't want to go there, is what God's actually saying, let's, let's talk about that. And his desire is just to lead us into greater freedom. So that's what I believe God is calling us to and inviting us to as a church, as individuals, is to allow his presence to be released among us increasingly powerfully. And he's the kind of God who, who gives us permission to say no. But as we've heard this morning, he's also saying yes in many ways and he's revealing himself. So... As we share in communion this morning, as we uh, break bread together, because Jesus says when you gather together, you know, uh, break bread, do this in memory of me. Reflect in your own heart and say, Jesus, I want you to be, be, I want, I know what I want. I want God the Father and Jesus the Son to stand up here and say, I mean, we have so much fun living in John that, I mean, we, you know, we could die. It is so cool living in John. I mean, he makes us laugh all the time. He's so stupid. He makes so many mistakes. And we spend most of our time having to forgive him. But it's still incredible fun. Because we are not under any illusions. We knew what we were getting into when we came into John. And, you know, we had a lot of work to do. But you restore what you love. So I know that I I've got to say that I I am adored by God. And I know that I am incredibly loved by Him. And I know that in me there is nothing but in him there's everything. And that I'm on a journey that says the rest of my life I want to see that extraordinary friend revealed.
and I want to boast about him. And I want to lay hands on people and see them restored. And I want to say, that's Jesus. And he lives in me. Believe that. There's hope for you. I don't want to settle for visiting him on Sundays or defending him to somebody who doesn't really want to know anything. I want to just say, why don't you just let me pray for you? What do you want? So I'm much more belligerent now. I want to let Jesus out quickly. I don't want them to talk to John. I want to say, what do you want Jesus to do? Cut the bullshit. Let's get to it. What do you want? You're chicken, aren't you? Well, let's talk to him about that. Let's rough you up a bit. Let's get on with it. We've got to get going here. I don't want to spend the rest of my life talking to the same people for 20 years about Jesus. I want to talk to people who think he's lousy and, and then discover that he's wonderful. But I can't talk to him with them with passion until I know it with passion. And I don't know about you, but my road's been costly. It's been hard times. But boy, I'd rather be here now than anywhere. I don't need to go on a course anymore. I want to bear witness to what I've seen and heard. And you can as well. And some of you do. Many of us do. But there's more. There's more. There's more. Let's pray. Oh, you've got to stand. Oh, this sitting is ridiculous. Let's stand. It's so passive, and we're into proactivity, right? We're breaking the, uh, the passivity stuff. Hug the person next to you and say, I'm breaking passivity, you know. To heck with this. God loves you, you know. I'm just... <laughs> yeah, and don't let the person sidestep it, you know. Don't do this polite talk so that you don't have to hug. Get your hands and heart out there and hug the bloody people. I'm sick of this nonsense. All right. Let me, uh, we're going to pray and then we're going to break bread. I've got to share with you one thing while you're standing. I know some of you are weak, but just stand. I had a picture a week ago of a realtor's sign. A realtor. You know, selling homes. And the picture really was saying every person who is a follower of Jesus should have some of these signs because they're meant to be living in the promised land where there are some wonderful places, rooms with views. And they're meant to bring back from the promised land love, joy, peace, patience, kindness and give them to people and say, look what is available over here and there is a room with your name on it. That's what sharing Jesus with people is about. You want to, and I want to be people with, if they were in a group like this and we were asked, tell me the person who you experienced the most joy in the presence of, that they would say it's you. Tell me the person who, who experienced, in whose presence I experienced unconditional love and they would name you. And you would say that's because Jesus did that in me and is doing that in me. He's giving me an extraordinary joy that I don't understand. He's giving me an extraordinary love, an extraordinary capacity to forgive. And people are going to look at your lives and attitudes and they're going to say, how do you get that? And you say, come and see. So where is Jesus in your life right now? Where is he? You tell him where you want him to be.
If he's outside, all you can say, you can certainly say, Jesus, I don't know you very well, but I thank you that you have gone to a cross to deal with all my rebellion. And I confess to you that I'm not worthy of anything, but I ask you to come into my life and begin to change me from the inside out. You can pray that. You can just say amen now and pray it in your heart. And Jesus says, man, I've been waiting a long time. I'd love to come. Thanks so much. Here I am. And now he's in you. Just like that. Well, they might be locked in one room in your, and, and they, want to, they like moving around. And they say, why don't you just give me the keys to the whole place? So Holy Spirit, we pray that you will just be released in our lives in a new way, refreshing way today, that will give you the freedom to work in us that we've never known before. Will you release your love, your power, your life, your joy in our hearts in ways we have never known before? So receive, receive, receive. And then look out this week for signs of what he's doing. In Jesus' name, amen.